0: Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're listening this morning. Just like last week, we're going to be delving into the issue of politics. It's not the typical theme of this show. Usually, we talk a lot more about the evidence for faith in Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to be talking about politics and how we can be conscientious voters, Last week, I talked a little bit about politics from a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, talked about the need to be politically involved and the need to be good stewards of all the different freedoms and gifts that God has given us. That includes the ability and the freedom in this country to be involved in the political process. I also talked last week about how the separation of church and state, the Establishment Clause in the Constitution is not intended to limit our religious freedoms rather to protect them and how there is no separation of church and state in the constitution i encouraged you whatever your faith to be involved in the political process this week as promised i'm going to go into some of the values that can lead us as we decide how to vote next week yep the election is just a very short week and a half away And I hope that this show will give you some great perspective as you head to the voting booth, if you haven't voted already. And as we get started, I wanted to begin by saying yet again that I'm not going to be endorsing any candidate today. I'm not going to be talking specifically about either of the two candidates. I plan to leave that for the last show before Tuesday. So this week, I'm going to talk more about values and how we can decide who we should vote for. So it'll be a lot more objective. There won't be a subjective perspective today, so to say. It will be a lot more concerned with the big issues. And I plan to discuss 10 specific values that I think should be considered when we vote. Now, before we get to that, though, I wanted to talk about the issue of values in the first place. Now, imagine two triangles side by side. This analogy or this description comes from Summit Ministries, and it's very good, I believe. And they put it this way. Imagine two different triangles. The first triangle has as its first layer, and each one is divided into three layers. And that first triangle has as its first layer actions, desires, what we think, what we do, what we like, desires, things like that. The second layer of that triangle would be values. In other words, this type of person values what they value because of what they find themselves doing and because of what they find themselves liking. Now, because of those values, they then, and this goes to the top tier of that triangle, decide how to look at the world. So this is the typical secular perspective and how the typical secularist develops a worldview. They decide what they value Based on what they happen to be doing and what they happen to find fun. And then, based on what they value as a result of those actions and decisions, they then come up with a worldview that accommodates those values. You can see the subjectiveness of the secular perspective on a worldview. It's extremely subjective. Now, on the flip side of the coin, we have what I would call a truth based worldview, where the worldview, which is The perspective on the world is based on what is true. That's the foundation. And then I value accordingly what I value based on what is true and real about the universe. And then based on those objective values, I decide how to act and live my life. Now we all do this practically. We look at a cliff and we realize that if I fall off it, I'm going to die. That's the reality. So that's my worldview about cliffs. I then value certain things because of that worldview. I value not falling off cliffs. And because of that, I decide how I'm going to act around cliffs. I'm not going to get too close to the edge of the cliff. So you can see how a truth-based worldview begins with truth, which then works towards values, which then works towards actions and decisions. That's the kind of perspective that I think you should bring to the voting booth. I don't think you should bring the type of perspective that says, we start with whatever feels good, and then based on that, we go to what we value, and based on that, we go to what we think must be true about the universe. That is the secular perspective that is predominant in society today. So please don't go there. Now, as we talk about values, which are so critical as we determine how to vote, I think there are 10 values that have been the bedrock of our culture for Many, many years, and I think that they have to be considered when we vote. The first of those is limited government. Proverbs twenty twenty eight says, Love and faithfulness keep a king safe, and through love his throne is made secure. I believe that a government should exist to put the good of the people first. That, by definition, is what love is. It's putting somebody else's good above your own. And when a king or a president or a nation puts its people's good... Above its own, that is leading in love, as the Bible says is important. That's the conservative principle of limited government. The U.S. Declaration of Independence states, "...we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." not to control or domineer its citizens. The U.S. Constitution and its first 10 amendments, what are called the Bill of Rights, exist to protect your freedoms from the government. So these are what people have typically called negative rights. In other words, they describe what the government cannot do to you. And this is the only type of right that the government has any place giving. The government can't give you what is called positive rights or it can't say that the government owes you something because the government then would have to take it from somebody else to give it to you. In other words, there would be an inequality. So the only kind of rights that the government has any right to ensure are negative rights, protections. The government won't do X, Y, or Z to you. It will protect you to give you an equal playing field. This is what we talked about last week as an equality of opportunity, not necessarily an equality of outcome. The first ten amendments, uh, first amendment, government cannot limit religion, speech, press, assembly, or petition. The second amendment, the government cannot prevent you from bearing arms. The third amendment, the government can't force you to provide your home for room and board for soldiers. The fourth amendment, government can't search or seize your property without reason. The fifth amendment, government can't deprive you of due process of law. The Sixth Amendment, the government can't deprive you of legal protections in criminal prosecutions. The Seventh Amendment, the government can't deprive you of legal protections in significant civil cases. The Eighth Amendment, the government can't deprive you of the right to bail or submit you to cruel and unusual punishment. The Ninth Amendment, the government can't deprive you of your inalienable human rights. And the Tenth Amendment, the federal government can't deprive states and individuals of their rights. I just stated the first ten amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and they are all negative rights. In other words, they're telling you that the government cannot infringe upon you. They're preserving your freedom. That's what we call a limited government. Negative rights protect you, while the concept of positive rights attempts to tell you that you are owed something, that you have an entitlement. Positive rights, again, like I said a minute ago, are by nature difficult to support, because if you're owed something from the government then somebody else must be robbed of that to give it to you. In other words, there would be an inequality. So good government isn't going to create this necessary inequality, robbing one to give to another, but instead it will protect all people from infringement by the government. That's the principle of limited government, and it's a value that I think you should look for in the candidates that you vote for. They should be proponents of a limited government, not a large government. Personal freedom is inversely proportional to the size of government. Did you get that? Personal freedom is inversely proportional to the size of government. Therefore, limited government is necessary. So I vote for candidates that recognize the need to keep government small. Personal freedom is important, as we just discussed. Remember last week I talked about the difference between somebody that is self-controlled and needs no government to enforce legislation upon them versus somebody that is externally controlled that needs to be watched very carefully see if we're self-controlled we're not going to have to have anyone peeking over our shoulder whereas if we have no self-control we will have to be limited by a government romans 14:12 tells us that each of us are accountable to god for how we live and a good government will preserve that freedom so that you can do what is right Where they don't limit you or coerce you, but allow you to live a just and good life without fear of their retribution. Government exists to protect you so that you can accomplish the most that you can with your God-given talents and abilities. It should not exist to deprive, punish, or limit you in order to benefit somebody different. Because of the need for personal freedom i vote for candidates that protect personal freedom within the guidelines of moral and ethical laws and we'll get to more of that in a minute especially freedom from government overregulation. third the third value that i value highly when i consider who to vote for traditional values that have stood the test of time the re-engineering of the moral fabric of our nation is eroding the foundation that it rests upon this country was founded on and made great by a commitment to judeo-christian values it's in our history go check it out the modern secular humanist agenda and I've talked about this before you can go to GodSolutionShow.com and hear what I've said about the secular humanist movement but the modern secular humanist agenda has attempted to override all of that and it has often succeeded but it is leading to a society that has lost its bearing just Recently, here in Colorado, 17-year-old Austin Sig viciously murdered Jessica Ridgway, right here in Colorado. This was a tragic story, and having two beautiful daughters of my own, I can't imagine what that family is going through. And I pray for them, that God would comfort them. But we can't help but notice the fact that this young man grew up in a society that says, do whatever feels good. There is no absolute truth. Morality is different for each person. Now, when society teaches those things, people tend to obey those things. And when people obey those things, they do exactly what Austin Sig did. They do whatever feels good to them, even when that involves hurting another human being. They believe that there is no absolute truth, that they won't be accountable to God. So they do whatever feels good to them without fear of accountability in an absolute sense. Finally, if morality is different for every person, people like this can quickly conclude that, who are you to tell me that this vicious behavior is wrong? So we live in a society that has rejected traditional moral values and we are reaping the result of that rejection of the foundation of our society. Isaiah 59:13 through 14 tells us that when a nation turns its back on God, justice will not occur, righteousness will be lost, Truth will fall on the streets and honesty will suffer. That is what we are seeing in our country today. Our country desperately needs leaders who will reverse this devastating tide of immorality and call right, right and wrong, wrong. And because of that, I vote for candidates that support and uphold our Constitution and the traditional Judeo-Christian values that our country has long embraced, that have stood the test of time, and that have made us the greatest country on the face of this earth. I also believe that we need compassionate politicians that will enforce and create compassionate policies. In Matthew 20, 25 through 28, Jesus tells us that leaders should serve those that they lead, not lording it over them or domineering it over them. We need compassionate leadership more than ever before. And compassionate leadership always seeks to do what is best for the people. That means providing for the needs of those that physically cannot. It also means helping those that can provide for their own needs get back on their feet. Creating a culture of entitlement and dependence is always wrong. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says that if a man refuses to work, he should not eat. We should create a society where people that cannot provide for themselves will be provided for we should be generous and provide for the needs of those that need it most that is biblical and that is necessary we should not however reward negligence we should not however allow large percentages of our society to choose not to work knowing that they will reap benefits by not contributing to society because of this need for compassionate leadership I vote for candidates that will be compassionate, helping people step up in life, not just creating a culture of dependence that will keep them enslaved for life. I also believe in the free market, and I believe that you do too. If you're in school, and a lot of my listeners are, and you study hard for a test, and a lot of you have recently had those with midterms, and you get 100 and you go to class and you find out you got 100, you'll probably be ecstatic. Now, imagine your professor turns to you after giving you your test with 100 on it. And this is not my analogy, by the way. I heard it from somebody different. But imagine you get that test back and your professor says, now, look, you did great on this test. You aced it. But Bob over here, he failed the test. He got a 50. And I just don't think it's fair that Bob failed the test. And you would tell your professor, well, Bob probably didn't study half as much as me. And your professor would probably say, that's right. But because he failed the test, and it's just not fair that he fail, I gave him 75% by taking 25% from your test grade. So you each get 75%, everything is equal. Now, if you were a student in that position, you would just go ballistic. You'd say, Professor, you can't do that. You'd be complaining to the administration. You'd say, no way can he take what I worked so hard for and give it to someone that did not work hard for it. Now, if you agree with that example, I would have to say that you believe in a free market system where each person should be rewarded for their own diligence and hard work. I grew up in Romania, which spent a few decades in communism. It went from being one of the richest countries in Europe to being one of the poorest countries in Europe in a very short matter of time. When I was there, it was a socialist country. They had social health care. It was the worst health care you could possibly imagine. They had... Social benefits, they were the worst benefits you could possibly imagine. They had social pensions and the people could hardly eat. They could hardly survive off those pensions. My family had a humanitarian agency where we were giving food and medicine to the people whose social health care and social pensions were not enough for them to survive. I guarantee you that the socialist slash communist perspective has never worked and attempting to tweak with it here in our country won't work either again according to scripture we're supposed to be good stewards of the finances god gives us you could check out matthew 25 14 through 30 and second corinthians 9 6 through 8 for more on that i believe you can do a lot better job generously managing your money than the government can 16 trillion in debt proves that point because of that, I vote for candidates that will protect your freedom to work hard and do the best you can, protecting the freedom to succeed, not punishing success. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDR 91.9 and 93.9 FM and KDR.org online. We're talking about some of the different values that can guide us to be intelligent voters. We've talked about five and we'll have another five the second half of the show. The sixth value that I value when I consider who to vote for is financial responsibility. On that note, as I just discussed, our government is more than $16 trillion in debt. $6 trillion of that, so a huge percentage of that, has been accumulated in just the past four years. Our country cannot survive this disaster any longer. Whether or not new entitlements are needed, we must first ask if they can be afforded. Hosea 8-7 tells us that when you sow the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind, and that is what we are seeing in our country now. It remains to be seen if we can recover from this financial disaster. Because of that, I vote for candidates that are committed to protecting our country by being financially responsible and making sure we don't go bankrupt. National defense is a value that I think all of us should value. Romans 13 7 tells us that the government exists to punish wrongdoers and to protect those that abide by the law. That involves securing our borders so that we know who's coming in to make sure that they are law abiders, not law breakers. We shouldn't allow people to cross illegally into our country while we do not let those trying to come in legally come in easily. In other words, we should secure those borders. We also need to protect this country from international and national threats. For example, when Obama, based on a lot of Bush's hard work, killed Osama bin Laden, we took out a huge international threat. That was a wonderful thing for President Obama to do, and I congratulate him for that. I believe that our president should protect us from international and national threats, and because of that, I vote for candidates that will protect us from threats both here and abroad. Number eight, ethical government with moral common sense. Deuteronomy one seventeen says, You shall not show partiality and judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. We need to have a country founded on ethical and moral laws that make good common sense. The government should make good ethical and moral laws. That's why we must vote for good congressional candidates that have the best interest of all Americans in mind. The government should be honest, transparent, and full of integrity. That is why I vote for candidates that are honest, transparent, and full of integrity who have the most ethical positions. I'll close in just a minute with an ethical position that I think cannot be ignored by any serious voter. Before we get there, though, I want to talk about value number nine. That's justice. Proverbs 29.4 says, By justice, a king gives a country stability, but one who is greedy for bribes tears it down. The government should carry out and enforce the good, ethical, and moral laws it creates. Remember Romans 13:1 through 7 The government exists to punish evildoers. That means we need a judicial system that will uphold good laws and enforce good laws, not, quote, legislating from the bench. It is important to vote for candidates that will appoint those kinds of judges to the courts. Who is going to get appointed to the courts is nearly as important as who is going to get elected as president. Because of that, I vote for candidates that will be tough on crime, who will justly enforce our laws, and who will not put people on the courts who will legislate from the bench. Finally, the value that I consider most important and what I wanted to end these 10 values with is respect for life. Science tells us that life begins at conception all life is made up of cells, all life develops according to a genetic code, all life interacts with its environment, all life responds to stimuli, all life metabolizes energy, all life needs water, all life eliminates waste, all life maintains internal equilibrium, all life grows, and all life eventually reproduces. All those criteria of life are present in the fertilized egg from the moment of conception. We know from its DNA it's a human life, a living human being from the moment of conception. That's what science tells us. And yet again, the Bible agrees with the science that life begins at conception. You can check that out in Psalm 139. The bottom line, though, is that the unborn baby is a unique living human individual. At 18 days, it has a beating heart. At 21 days, its circulatory system begins functioning. At 28 days, the eye, ear, and respiratory systems function. At 42 days, it has brain waves, a skeleton, and all of its reflexes. At eight weeks, all of its body systems are present and functioning in some capacity. That's when most abortions occur, ending and killing a living human being. 50 to 75 million babies have been killed in our country since Roe v. Wade, and I hope I'm not stepping on too many toes right now. But you cannot just turn the other way when facing such a tragedy. On a side note, Roe is now a pro-life advocate, having seen the light. Killing human beings should never be a protected right or choice. And any candidate that feels it is a protected right or choice to kill other human beings should not be in politics. A candidate that can't agree with the reality that unborn babies are living human beings that deserve to be protected should never be considered for office. Because of that, I vote for candidates that will support the right to life, protecting the most innocent and vulnerable among us, committed to ending the atrocity of abortion. Well, I hope you'll consider some of these important values when you cast your vote next week. Next week, right before the election, I'll discuss who I think best matches up with these criteria. I encourage you to start reviewing the candidates yourself to see how they match up with these values. Each of us needs to be informed. Each of us needs to be wise about who we vote for and about how we vote. Like I said last week, we need to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us. Again, one of the greatest gifts we have in this country And one of the greatest gifts that any human being has ever been given on this planet is the gift to be involved in the democracy that we share. The gift of being able to be involved in the political process. The gift of being able to cast our vote for the candidate that we most agree with, who shares the most of our values. Yesterday I was talking to somebody who is here on campus trying to rally the vote for a candidate that I don't support. He was trying to tell me to go vote for this candidate. And I said, I don't think I'm gonna be voting for that candidate. And he said, "Uh uh-oh, are you voting for the other guy? (laughs) And I said, yep, I am gonna be voting for the other guy. And when I said that, he said, that's not good. Why are you doing that? And I said, if you wanna listen, I'd be glad to tell you. And he said, actually, probably I'm not interested in hearing why you wanna vote for the other guy. So I told him. If you do feel like you're interested in knowing why I vote for the other guy, then go ahead and tune in to The God Solution this Sunday morning and hear what I have to say. So if you're listening, I hope that you've enjoyed the show so far and I hope you'll tune in to hear the rest next week. But something I told him and believe with all my heart is that even though we might disagree politically, I will fight to the death for your right to disagree with me politically. That is the joy of this country. The fact that we can disagree politically, but that we each have the freedom to be protected from discrimination because of our beliefs and to vote our values in each election cycle. And I think regardless of where you're coming from politically, it is important to be engaged in the political process. And because of that, I am so thankful again for the gifts that we have in this country. We've been given so much here and we should not take it for granted. This gift of political involvement is tremendous. We live in the greatest country on planet Earth and we should never take lightly the freedoms that we enjoy here in the United States. So recapping a little bit about what we talked about today, we didn't discuss any particular candidates, but we talked about some different values that should guide us as we vote. I shared the top ten values that I embrace when I decide who I will vote for. My top 10 values are one, a limited government, two, personal freedom, three, ethical government with moral common sense, four, traditional values that have stood the test of time, five, compassionate policies, six, a free market, seven, financial responsibility, eight, a strong national defense, which I forgot to mention before, is one of the greatest resources for worldwide peace that's ever been known. Ninth, justice. And tenth, a respect for human life, specifically for the unborn babies that are being killed mercilessly in huge numbers every day in our country. I believe that we need strong leadership that will end that atrocity as we conclude this show about politics i don't want to lose sight of the main reason that we do this show and that's to offer you and to share with you the hope that you can have in jesus if you've never met jesus come to him this morning saying jesus i trust you forgive my sins come into my life be my savior and lord he says that if you put your faith in him you will be adopted into his family that you'll be guaranteed an abundant life here on this planet and an eternity with him in heaven. Please, if you've never taken that step to come to Jesus, I pray that you would take that step today. As we conclude the show, I'd like to invite you to Connect this week. Connect will be meeting in Noble 125 at 6 p.m. We're gonna be doing a costume party this Tuesday at 6 p.m. in Noble 125, the day before Halloween. So come dressed up however you want. There'll be prizes for the best costumes and it'll be a great time. Hope to see you there. Get all of our previous shows at godsolutionshow.com. Remember, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great Sunday, and don't forget to vote.